Welcome, everybody, to episode 34 of the Video Game Mythos podcast. My name is Ryan, here to take you on another adventure. Today, I'm going to have to break from the StarCraft series because we have had a recent and amazing suggestion that I am disappointed that I did not think of prior. On today's episode of Video Game Mythos, I'm going to cover the opening intro scene as to not break too many spoilers that are very rich in this game. We're going to cover the opening scene and the introduction, the foundation, and the baseline of Bioshock Infinite, an amazing sense of wonder that this world can provide, and I'm glad to bring you this content. Welcome to episode 34 of Video Game Mythos. As your blurred vision becomes a little more tangible, you start to notice that you're in a rowboat with two other individuals. You don't know who they are or where you're at, other than the large waves in the water near you and the very rainy and very distraught atmosphere that you're in. Makes you think that you're somewhere in the ocean. The dense fog limits your visibility and you begin to wonder what exactly is your purpose here? These two individuals begin to bicker with one another, talking about whether or not they should even be here, whether or not they should even be the people that are actually taking you this far. You and these two individuals who are now rowing, quickly through the fog, you see a faint light. The light becomes a little more prominent as you grow nearer to it. From the fog emerges the silhouette of a large structure, the top of which is the origin of this light. The light quickly becomes more and more visible, revealing more and more subtle details about the area that you're approaching. It reveals itself to be a lighthouse. The couple that are with you begin to talk less and less as you approach the docks at the base of the lighthouse. As you get to the lighthouse docks themselves, the gentleman aboard the boat with you looks to you and motions for you to get off. As you get off the boat and begin to get your bearings and look around, you notice that this area is extremely mysterious. The dense fog on the surface of the ocean likely caused by the difference in temperature of the water and the air creates a very mysterious and almost ominous atmosphere. As you walk up the path between the boat dock and the entrance to the lighthouse, you notice that the lighthouse door is opened and broken at the hinges. On the inside of the door itself, there seems to be blood on the door with what look like footprints of blood leading from the door to inside of the lighthouse. Not only footprints, but almost trails of blood. Someone must have lost a lot of blood here. As you walk into this lighthouse, you look back and see the rowboat that brought you here is now barely visible in the fog in the distance. You are now alone on this desolate island 
with nothing but blood and mystery in your presence. You walk into the lighthouse and you follow the trail of blood that leads to a chair in the corner where a gentleman with a bag over his head, clearly deceased, is sitting. Above him, written in bloody text, it says your name. It says, Booker DeWitt, find her. Booker DeWitt is a detective. He was sent here to find a girl named Elizabeth. He was told that Elizabeth was in this lighthouse, but not much else. Not only is Booker DeWitt an investigator or a private eye, there's something else with this case. Someone is holding something over his head, which is why he is looking past all of these clearly visible signs of violence to solve his one true goal, which is to find Elizabeth. As he approaches the staircase to climb the lighthouse corridor to reach the top of the lighthouse in search for Elizabeth, he notices that there is no one here. He explores barrels and other items that have, can be found in the lighthouse to find nothing that accommodates his investigation, but enough to fill his belly, an apple, and a banana nearby, maybe a few gold coins. As he approaches the summit of the lighthouse, he reaches the last set of stairs that go up to the platform where the light itself shines out over the fog that rests on the surface of the ocean. As you come up this last set of stairs, you look at the light that's in the lighthouse as it rotates as, as the beacon that it is to warn ships of the shallow rocks that it protects. Although you notice that this light isn't like a lighthouse light that you would imagine. It seems extremely large and very complex in design. As you circle around the lighthouse peak, you find the door that enters the light room. On the surface of the door is what looks like a riddle. Once you solve this riddle, the door opens and a bunch of mechanisms inside of the light room begin to play. The light itself goes down to where no one can see the light around it and a chair comes up. You are automatically impulsed to sit in this chair and as you do, you begin to get comfortable and you set your arms down on the armrest, which is when the clamps snap your wrists securely into the chair. Your ankles are also braced now too. Now in a little bit of a panic, Booker begins to scream and yell as he throws a small tantrum to tell the world that he is not comfortable with where he is. But nobody's there to hear him. He steps up to the plate one last time, takes his gulp, and with a quick shudder he realizes that there is something beneath him moving. Large sounds of explosions and thrusters are made as the top of the lighthouse opens up and the chair is inside of a capsule that is now on a rocket that was built inside of this lighthouse and you are propelled upwards, outwards, and onwards through the atmosphere, passing layers upon layers of clouds. Eventually, you start to slow 
and you pass one last cloud. And as you exit the plumes of cloud, the world around you begins to completely change. The sun is now out. It is midday. You see vast buildings that are floating in the clouds. And not just floating magically, they are floating on small fans, barely spinning, maybe five rounds per minute. But these fans seem to be levitating large masses of cities' clusters. Multiple clusters of buildings seem to be floating around between one another with interconnecting streets that allow them to adapt to events that are happening in the city or to the needs of the people that live in it. The rocket ship begins to slowly descend down into a controlled area where it exposes the person in it to some additional mysteries, one of which is a prophet who goes by the name of Comstock. Comstock has a bunch of quotes and sayings that reveal themselves as the rocket lands on a platform and begins to follow the track along a preset and predestined position. Booker DeWitt is now an observer on what would be considered the introduction to the Flying City. Why would he send his Savior onto us if we will not raise a finger to our own salvation? And though we deserve not his mercy, he has led us to New Eden, our last chance for redemption. These are the words that Booker reads as he enters the welcome center of this flying city that he assumes is named Eden. As this rocket ship slowly becomes to a standstill, Booker emerges to find a place of worship, what looks like a church, with about five inches of water on the surface everywhere you walk. Every staircase has water flowing down it, and there are many petals of what looks like a very beautiful white flower adorned in this water. Hundreds thousands, possibly even tens of thousands of candles are lit throughout this ceremonial place. The Lamb of Columbia and Lady Comstock are revealed to you through the Welcome Center alcoves as you descend into what looks like the main chamber. Many of these people are now praying to what looks like an overseer who is preaching some sort of mantra to these people. Love the prophet, because he loves the sinner. Love the sinner, because he is you. Without the sinner, what need is there for a redeemer? Without sin, what grace has forgiveness? These are the words of Whitting, as the main prophet begins to show his light to the world. He speaks to the crowd and gains an eye onto you as he summons you. He makes note of you as the newcomer and offers you a baptism. Although hesitant, you accept in order to enter the city. This blind preacher responds by submerging you into the water until you lose consciousness. As you wake up, 
you notice that there is life. Small butterflies and birds bustle around the light-filled air. Beautiful flowers, large shrubs and large healthy trees fill the Garden of New Eden, the shrine's prayer garden. From there, you set out on your journey to Monument Island, just as the floating island of Church of Comstock travels on the docks with the rest of Columbia. I genuinely enjoy doing those introductions. I think I'm going to pick and choose a few other games to do because there's certain aspects of the first experience or the first impression of a game that really helps sets like the mood or set the tone for the rest of the experience. And I think by doing this, it might enable you to find games that you can fall in love with rather than sitting here and telling you every fact about a certain character or analyzing the intricacies between a relationship and a story. I think starting out with the baseline and showing you what's awesome about the game might help you learn to love what I love about these games. I hope you've enjoyed this content proudly provided to you by 13 Palm Trees Podcast Productions. My name is Ryan. If you have other suggestions like the one you received today, send me an email, ryan at 13palmtrees.com. And once again, I would like to thank you for listening to Video Game Mythos.